keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everyone, to Wrestle Roasts. I'm your host, uh, Robert Karpolis. Sorry for missing last week. This week, Dan St. Germain is wandering around Key West with beads in his beard, performing for confused, drunk cats. But we are joined, as always, by Scott Chaplin. Scott, how are you? Yeah, and actually, his asshole is so hairy that they call it his beard so it's actually what robert meant was there's beads in his is you get it hey what's up everybody whatever keeps the missus happy he's willing to do and you got to admire that <laughs> uh we've got a we've got a big a big hey, new week. york gals you know big city gals yeah big big these gals that go to college they expect a little bit more <laughs> from you <laughs> that's the way it works man um <laughs> Dan wanted me to promote whatever we had for the Patreon. I didn't write it down, so I have no clue, brother. Guys, if Not anyone asks, if anyone asks, it's a great Patreon we got for. It's always a great Patreon whenever we do shit. Dan and I had a good one uh, this past weekend, uh, which was a blast. Uh, Scott, you Is weren't there, there a, um, for it. I know. I have to make up for it. Fucking moron, I am. Michael P.S. Hayes, baby. We did the roast of Michael P.S. Hayes. That was a lot of fun. Got to tell some Michael P.S. Hayes stories. And then we talked. Uh, I gave my thoughts on Dynamite. I gotta say, you and you and Dan last week on the Total F and Marks kind of throwback episode were, were spot on on the way that you guys broke down uh, Dynamite, especially that Four Pillars promo, which... Uh, Brother... They put themselves in a hole and they had to get out of it this week. We're going to get to dynamite. This is this is one of those weeks where like the gods of pro wrestling were like, "Oh, you guys need something to talk about? Here's a shitload of stuff for you to talk about." So, it's going to be a bunch of premium current events. It's going to be uh it's going to be dope as as Scott says. Uh yeah, it's gonna be glad dope. to glad to be back and we'll we'll jump right into it. Uh you know, the Wembley show was announced. They're talking about this big uh, Saturday AEW uh, show. And it's all based around, hey, great news. CM Punk's coming back. And there's no way he's going to fuck this up again. <laughs> and you'll never guess who was backstage at Monday Night Raw this past uh, Monday in Chicago. But our boy CM Punk. Uh, like, dude, what is what is your what is your boy thinking there, Scott? Listen. This is what I think. The man is a cult of personality. And whatever he's convinced Is that a medical himself, diagnosis now? Well, I guess so, right? It's in his theme song, and it's what I've decided. This is what I call him, right? So anyway, this is what I really think might be happening. Because he's going to AEW. This is a fact, right? Um, everybody knows that there's no chance he is going to WWE. So is he going there to stir the pot, to piss off? 
the EVPs and Tony Khan to to push buttons? Is he going there to prove, hey, I'm willing to go over and apologize to people I hate the most. So if you're not willing to work with me, but Triple H is willing to shake my hand, you guys are worse than guys like that. Oh shit, Mike Lawrence is going to say, we went from CM CM Punk randomly backstage at Raw to Mike Lawrence randomly showing up at a wrestling. Here's what I really think it is. Here's what I really think it is. And, and, and Mike, so yeah, we're talking about CM Punk and why he was backstage in WWE. (laughs) Here's my stretch of a take. All right. This is a guy who no matter what good he thinks he's doing, he's doing evil. So I think he's like, I'm going to make it up to AEW. I am going to go to major legal ramifications by uh, by pulling over. Dan is here. Is No, no, that's Robert. No, it's Robert just, just my, turned uh... off. I was turning off the video. Robert's on Dan's Zoom. So if you hear sounds of dogs, that's because they're pre programmed in. (laughs) Yeah, the dogs have been dead for weeks. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) But anyway, I, I do think it was one, a way for him to show that, hey, I'm healing and I'm making peace. It's probably a part of anger management, you know? Hey, you gotta face your biggest opponent. Hey, Mario, you got to face Bowser. You know, Bowser is just like the head plumber, right? Everybody knows that, right? That's what Mario is about. And Bowser's like the biggest clog in a toilet. And so CM Punk needed to go talk to Triple H, talk to guys like The Miz, uh, and therefore he could be forgiven by the Lord, um, which is a, a million and something dollars from Tony Khan. So what we got from that is that Scott just saw the Mario movie, but doesn't understand how similes and metaphors work. That was pretty much my takeaway <laughs> no. of that. <laughs> no, I didn't see the Mario movie. I didn't see it. It's good. It's I saw good. the one with John Leguizamo, but I didn't see this new one. Can I? Can I? You just, know why? Because you can't that, take your dog. These fucking jerks. Can, can I just say the whole retconning that that movie was great and misunderstood? No, it's it was terrible. Movie sucks. Yes, that movie that sucks. Mario. It, it sucks, Wait. but it's nostalgia oh, yeah, that movie's for childhood. Not good. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. But this it, new one, you guys like? Yeah, yeah. It was okay. fan service, okay. and I'm a fan, so service me. Hell yeah, I like it. I like it. They they, it they they do a chase scene, and what the fuck do they get in when they're running? Mario Kart's. I love it. I love it. They Everything get the number yes. berries. They get the star. Hey, and look, I don't and want that all the, the time. star music. Yeah. Yeah, they put all the music in and everything, and you know, um, and at no Captain point Obama halfway through, is there. at no point halfway through the movie did Sonic the Hedgehog just show up backstage thinking he could talk his way into this, like CM Punk and Raw. <laughs> well, to be fair, hey, man. <laughs> to be fair, Nintendo owns him now, and he's been in Super Smash. He's been in Sonic and Mario games. So it's a- fucking Crash Bandicoot. Is that better? Is that a non-owned yes. Nintendo? There we go. If Crash Bandicoot yes, showed now, there's a metaphor Thank you for, for doing Scott. Thanks for doing the littlest yeah, but bit Edge of research. Is Crash Bandicoot. Yes. So yeah, uh th- this thing feels like every way CM Punk can to to use a term I'm sure Dan's familiar with, uh cuck Tony Khan is what he does. It's like he humiliates him at the press conference. <laughs> He fights the EVPs. He's finally about to come back. And then he shows up drunk at his ex-girlfriend's house 
on a Monday night begging for forgiveness. <laughs> I, I I don't I just I don't understand what the fuck he's thinking. I think I, I think you know part of the problem is that like punk is cool theoretically and in and mystery, you know, like there was that I remember I was at the staple center when The Rock tried calling him and you know and he didn't answer like and if he had answered it would have been so lame and the fact that he didn't answer made it cool and it's like the more accessible he is the least cool he is and just him hanging out backstage and all of that i mean look like the fact that he it, it seems like he amicably left and all that so that's good and Ace wasn't there, so he didn't have to bite anybody. Well, yeah, from from what I understand from folks I talked to, like he went, he made peace with the Miz, which is nice because he's. I get that he's been a dick to the Miz because it's a little bit of jealousy of like Miz made events at WrestleMania and I didn't, and then Bruce Prichard from somewhere within Conrad's asshole was like, just because you weren't the last match doesn't mean you weren't the main event, uh, and and somehow that makes it okay. And then he went to go try try to talk to Hunter. And I think Hunter just fucking hates him and realizes more, more than anything else, hates him, loves him, doesn't matter. To be lawyer for a second and a half here, CM Punk's under contract to another company. So him simply being there, there could be arguments of contract tampering. It's like whether yeah, they Mike, something said or not. But Mike used to work at McDonald's and ate at Burger King all the time. <laughs> and this is equally as sad. Yeah, it was the cult of a lack of personality. <laughs> and what's now what's amazing is because so stuff like I and I know these are like you know basic questions that like some people might ask, and you know you have a legal expertise that that most wrestling podcasts don't. So when so when like Buddy Matthews is at uh, the Hall of Fame, that's approved in advance, right? Like Correct. that that's clearly. You're you're there as someone's guest. You're not there. You're and most likely, you notify your employer. Like like he probably told Tony Khan, "Hey, I'm going to be at this event to go support my wife. Is that okay?" As a, like you think back to there was that one WrestleMania where one of the Highlanders was at like an impact taping in the crowd, and then they cut to him, and then he immediately got fired. Um, you yeah. like. You can show up with permission somewhere if you're disclosing it. If you show up behind like backstage somewhere uh, without that kind of permission and you're under contract someplace else, that is an immediate like, I don't care who you are, you have to leave because we can't run the risk of somebody claiming contract tampering. Is there is there a comparison in any other business where someone would have to leave? I mean, you know, if someone from in living in the early 90s was that a problem you know yeah if molly shannon and sherry o'terry hang out at mad tv and it's not like chris if chris Catan is hanging out with <laughs> the stewart guy michael mcdonald yeah the if other Artie michael mcdonald falls in the woods yeah if already <laughs> Ah, but Will Sasso is there as well. <laughs> well, no, it's because you anyway. have non-compete. If you have a non-compete, that's what you have to worry about. And these guys have direct non-competes. Oh, okay, okay, okay. 
Okay, so Mike, I, I I have a question. What? Why do you think he was back there? I think some of it was arrogance. You know, I'm no one comes to my town without asking me. Like, I think he has this. You think he was on some gang shit that he had? They had to pay. Up? He had some turf shit. Yeah, like I, I do feel like he acts that way with Chicago, and Chicago <laughs> kind of acts that way with him. Um, maybe it was the miss thing. I mean, I think, I think ultimately, like. The guy's probably lonely sometimes. I mean, at the end of the day, whatever we want to say about him, he's still a 43-year-old into wrestling. So you have to question him mentally, you know, as as I would anyone else that's 43 and into wrestling. If you're 43 into wrestling and listening to this, you know there's something wrong with you, and that's okay, but there is. There's something wrong with I've got three years to go is basically what you're telling me. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the, the clock is ticking on the podcast, guys. And I only have twenty years, twenty nine years to go if I, you know, follow my dad's timeline. But anyway, <laughs> wow. Well, this took a uh, this took a dark path. But the fun thing about Punk being at, at Raw Monday night was Triple H drank from the forbidden cup of Tony Khan in the "I'm going to make a big announcement that's going to wind up being a terrible fucking idea." As he unveiled a uh, a brand new world title, the kind of world title that looks like you found out three hours before, oh shit, we need to come up with a belt, and they just slapped <laughs> a logo on an old uh, big gold belt lying backstage. Uh, this, the presentation, the explanation, everything about this was dumb. Uh, they they bury Roman Reigns for having a part time schedule. They they mask it in the guise of like you know Paul Heyman negotiated this contract and you don't defend it every thirty days. Therefore, rather than just stripping you of the title, uh, we're going to make a second title. And this yeah, one's yeah, going to be literally defended. Robert. They blame the Jews. Oh well, that's that's uh, the only way Vince approved the script. <laughs> but it, it further highlights the fact that you know maybe I'm not the smartest man in the world, but why the fuck did Cody uh, did Cody Rhodes not win at WrestleMania if this is what you were doing? Because now once Cody does win, he's winning one of two lesser versions of the of the unified undisputed title. So nothing about what they've done here makes a lick of sense. If it was Cody beating Roman at Mania getting that big moment, Roman gone for a few months on sabbatical, and then Cody defending against Brock at Backlash, and then them saying at the draft, you're going to be the champ of one brand, Cody would be like, you know, I love this. This is great competition for people, and this is this is a wonderful idea that my father would so fully support. Like, it works. You're fine. Instead, we're getting this weird, shitty, watered-down version and a title that absolutely will be lesser than. Uh, Scott, what do you oh. think of this uh, Tony Khan level announcement? Uh, look, I think you know there should only be one title, and it shouldn't look like Romans. Uh, uh, but there should only be one title, and it shouldn't look like the new one either. So that's like strictly in like a visual sense. But I will say this: it's not as bad as even we think it is. Um, I saw some pictures they posted. So what they need to do? This happened with New Japan too is they need to actually now adjust what they did with it to like fit how they film and how it looks on the cameras when they're in the arenas and the lighting because it looked weird. And so every image of it uh, 
I don't know, just didn't look that great. So they'll like adjust in a way they like shine it a different way or some horseshit. I forget how they actually do it. Um, and then it will look better because it has like lions on it and shit like New Japan. And it's got an eagle on it. And I mean, hey, those are like top five badass uh, creatures, right? So it's not all that bad. It's 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 honestly better than Romans. Um, but still that WWE logo. Eh, I don't know. It's better looking than Romans, but not as meaningful. And that's the other problem to have Triple H be like, this isn't a title that some you have to acknowledge the guy it's like what but he he's winning it what the fuck are we talking about so the only thing i can think is they're gonna make this the workhorse title um which you would think would be like the the intercontinental title but they're really going to try to make this more of like an iwgp title yes that's right boys i'm bringing new japan into this um because the mentality will be like guys like rollins will be fighting for it guys like cody guys who can go you know Maybe we will get like 45 minute epics out of matches like this. Things that we aren't getting out of Roman matches. We will get out of a title like this and a title that looks like this. Uh, the problem is, you know, it's one company have one title, you fucking jerks. But like the thing that also, bugs- also, also, here's how you fix it Cody can't win it, Cody has to beat Roman. So yeah, Cody doesn't win this title either. Fuck it. He has to he has to take all these lumps and and hard times. He has to he has to literally lose so much that he gains weight and starts looking like his father. And then he has to win. He has well, to he, win as a fat. He has to switch out with Otis and then you let Otis win as Cody. It's <laughs> not a bad idea. I mean the thing is is I feel Thank like the you. way Roman is booked now it feels a lot like when we were kids like Hogan didn't defend the title all that much. So when he did it was an epic event. Now that you're basically going to have a champion who has to defend it at least once a month, it's going to feel lesser than. Uh, Mike, you you grew up in that same era, and that's how you feel about Roman, right? Yeah, to the point where when there was a second title, it was a story, right? The you know, I remember one of my first memories was the million dollar belt, and that was the heel who, for whatever reason, could not win. The, the main title, um, you know, I'm just saying kayfabe wise, right? So he makes his own belt. And that's a really cool fucking idea because that's what a heel would do, right? And so there was a secondary title, you know, but it was very clearly this delusional guy's own title. And that was fun for what it was because it said a lot about the character. And you saw the vignettes of him making it and everything. But this, yeah, I think this is a terrible idea. Um Especially, like, we, I think Triple H said, like, Roman will still be the undisputed. I'm like, if there's two, no, that's disputed now. The whole right. point of undisputed is there is one. So I just think that, you know, maybe it's that Saudi wants, you know, this or Endeavor wants this or Vince or whatever. And, you know, I, I don't know if this was Triple H's idea, but I also think it was kind of a rib to have him come out, like, this was, uh, and I think this is uh, a long-term worse idea, but remember when Foley had to introduce the 24-7 belt because they knew like people like Foley, and maybe sure, Foley can get it. Sure. Like, so, supposedly, this was Hunter's idea. He was the one that had been pushing for a while to have two titles, but... Oh, well, then he's wrong, and it's terrible. And, and they've also... done such a good job of making the U.S. and intercontinental titles feel important by default and then you have Austin Theory come out on Raw this week and be like, hey, the U.S. title's cool and all, but man, I really want that new world title. 
yeah well yeah that's the thing you you have a guy like gunther where it's like dude focus on gunther as 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 the as the under roman title you know but also triple h's reign of terror like really started when eric bischoff gave him that second belt yes you know so it's like learn from your own mistakes dude it's it's a weird decision and i and I don't, and again, it's like, it's why I go back to the Cody losing at Mania thing. I just don't trust them creatively right now to tell a good story to justify two world titles. Because now you have to have two world title storylines going on. And and then a worthy Intercontinental title story and a worthy U.S. title story. The rosters are going to be pretty thin. It's just not going to work unless they're doing this to try to appease a guy like McIntyre who they know is not going to be able to beat Roman, but Hey, look, we're going to give you a belt. So maybe stick around. Yeah. It's something they could use in London and places like that. I mean, I, I, I think, you know, the, the part of the problem too, it's like, if you, you know, we, we talk about the casuals, right. And like, they don't really exist. And this is one of those things that makes it really hard to, to get casuals. You know, it was like when, when I went to WrestleMania with my brother, you know, we watched Rhea and Charlotte, and they wrestled for the women's title. And then there was an ad for, you know, Bianca and Asuka, who were also wrestling for the women's title. And it doesn't make any sense. And, it, and you look at it like, you know, Scott brought up New Japan. I'll bring up comic books. We have our wheelhouses. Um, you know, once Spider-Man had like four fucking books or Superman or, you know, once you dilute it and it's not just the thing, like, you know, there was an amazing Spider-Man comic for 200 something issues before there were a bunch of other ones that devalued it as a fan. Yes. And I think that less is more sometimes. What was strange is some of the arguments they've tried to make since it's come out is, well, this is going to help house show business. And to that end, nobody thinks a world title is changing hands at a house show. So by advertising there's going to be a title match or not doesn't change the superstars that you are seeing. Like going back to Mania, Drew, Sheamus, and Gunther had an amazing match. I didn't care that it was for the Intercontinental title and not a world title. It was a great fucking match, and I would have been happy to see that at a live event. I think they're playing by weird old school rules that just don't exist in 2023. For sure. And and I'll even go as far as to say this. If a title did change hands at a house show, no one would give a shit. Like, I, like they'd freak out that night, but then they'd be like, oh, man, uh, Raw's going to suck this week where they explain that it changed hands at a house show. Part Isn't of that how Brett won his first one from Flair? He won it. It was a Coliseum taping. But, yes, because Flair had vertigo issues. and They needed to get the belt off of him quickly. Uh, but it was taped for a uh, – I think Diesel won the title at a house show. He beat yeah. Backlund uh, in a couple of seconds. But what, what also concerns me is part of what has made Roman so effective and strengthened the title is they're so scared to beat him that he's been champion for so many years. Now that you have another title, it's going to be like a hot potato. That's going to be like the TNT title. Like you're going to have a guy who's going to win it and then lose it three weeks later. It's it's a, it's letting them play you into their so? worst impulse. Yeah, they're going to play into their worst impulses. They're gonna have somebody. What if win they give it to a? What about if it's a Baboni? What? What if they give it to Bad Bunny boys? Oh, Bad Bunny! No, they'll give it to. Logan. said a Babylonian. Oh. I think you said Babylonian. I'm like, what the fuck? Are you I don't know. Babylonian. 
Baboni. Uh, I see. I see. No, because, uh, you know, I mean, he did win the 24-7 title, which was pretty coveted. And it's the only belt that's been on Saturday Night Live. So that's important <laughs> since, uh, you know, Run Rock and Hunter and all of them. Um, but I can see them putting it on Logan Paul and saying Logan Paul is a world champion. But uh, even that, it's it's goofy and, and uh, a publicity stunt in some, to some degree. And my guess is, yeah, they'll probably put it on Seth to appease Seth since he didn't get to main event mania and he's now fighting Omos at backlash, which definitely feels like a, uh, what the fuck? Uh, this is an episode of rampage pay-per-view. I, I didn't know that was happening. Oh yeah. It's why it's, is that happening? That's a great question. It's a, it's a, an after the fact thing. They announced like they literally like a Tony Khan thing. They announced it online. They're just like, it's going to be Seth Rollins versus Omos. And is then Rollins like was this weekend or something. It's coming up. Uh, it's uh, it's May. Uh, no, it's next week. It's May sixth. Oh, okay. Okay. But like they just announced it online, and then Rollins is basically on Raw, kind of being like, I don't know what the fuck is going on. So <laughs> that's great. So yeah, we're gonna get Omos versus Seth Rollins, and his consolation prize is he gets to fly to Saudi Arabia to win this incredibly stupid looking title. Because we just got a text from Dan. He's not here. That uh, the Owen Hart uh, tournament is back. So Dan is living in yesterday. Yes, yeah, so I was going to say, like, <laughs> we haven't even started talking about Dynamite or Dud, uh, which we will get to. But the last thing I want to touch on in WWE world before we move over to AEW world is the lawsuit against Vince McMahon and some of the writers uh, alleging essentially hostile work environment because of racist uh, pitches that were being made during uh, creative meetings. And Mike has worked on a number of television shows. I've been in WWE pitch meetings. Uh, Scott. Scott's been rejected by a number of television shows. Scott just knows. Scott just. (laughs) That is actually false. I I gave up after a few times because of, (laughs) My inability to be rejected. But Thank no, but you, you just much. did the, you wrote on the roast of uh, Burt Kreishner, didn't you? Oh, sure. Hey, if you come oh. and ask Scott, Scott will work, baby. But my point is like, there are moments in, in those rooms, and this is where we don't know what, what necessarily happened to this particular individual or what some of these pitches were in context, out of context. There are moments in the rooms where people either suggest something ridiculous or suggest something as a joke to try to get a pop out of the people in the room. And at what point does that cross over to, boy, this is an actionable lawsuit versus to some degree, this is sort of the nature of how you, uh, you know, how you make the cake by breaking some eggs. Scott, this is the moment where we could find out the awful pitches that Robert made. Oh, I, I fully own some awful, awful pitches that were really dark and fucked up. And I fully appreciate that. Dude, and you yeah, worked you at a time like... where they did that stuff. So <laughs> they must have been insane. That was and that and at that time we were, you know, told and encouraged to come up with things that would be provocative. And and today we're recording this on the day that Jerry Springer passed away. Like that Springer mentality was still very much part of the WWE in the early 2000s. It was what can we do that's going to be 
shocking or is going to be, you know, ridiculous. You know, it was uh, shortly after I was there, it was you had Jillian Hall on TV with a mole and then the mole gets eaten off of her face by the boogeyman. Can I just, uh, because I, I'm literally only recording until my kid wakes. Yes. I want you to touch moment. on this one, but no, the, uh, but, but, you know, so I'll do my, my low spot now, which is the passing of Jerry Springer. And it's, it's amazing, man. You know, like I was unemployed in my twenties, so I watched a lot of Springer. Um, and what, what what's fascinating, he really is the precursor for the Attitude Era and a lot of that stuff. Like, I mean, you know, I think Russo. Like, look, you could say ECW, and there's definitely some of that, but the Springer mentality. Like, you watch Springer, and then you watch like. Russo Raw, they're the same thing. It was and they Springer make me and uh, feel the same yeah. thing. It was Springer and Howard Stern. Those were the two things that Russo would always say were his inspirations. Yeah, and and just that, like, I mean, it was interesting, right? Like, how is this talk show where people come on once? Like, how are these people getting more heat than our wrestlers that are here every week? And then they figure it out. <laughs> oh, we need yeah. to just copy that. So I, you know, R.I.P. Springer, but. I think I think the guy does deserve a lot of credit if you were a fan of wrestling for influencing what wrestling was for a long time. But as far as as far as being in a in, in a room, like is it a safe environment where you can just pitch anything, throw shit against the wall and see what happens, or are you supposed to still engage in, you know, decent society? You know, okay. So, I mean, that's a very you know, tricky question, but I'll, I'll say this. I, I've I've also worked in several rooms where you do um, harassment seminars and things like that at the beginning of the job. And, um, you know, so, and those laws, they say those laws apply in the room also. So it it's tricky because, you know, you could pitch something, but if that thing feels like, it's barbed and personal and attacking somebody, you know, um, you know, it, it, it's, 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 it's a gray area that could become problematic really fast. You it's, know, it's and very so, tough in wrestling too. Yeah. Yeah. And well, I think, I think there is actually like a, a, a factor in it that, that changes it in, in, in WWE at least, and probably in a lot of pro wrestling is like Vince McMahon and, and the way that he perceives the the ridiculous pitch at a meeting that might be um you know a writer might might think won't wouldn't even be taken that seriously and they are being funny and they are being ridiculous and they are stretching it in a stupid like hey pro wrestling is um let's um and it's actually being like good realizing that like you know, the writers are just, I don't know, fucking around. Is that possible at all, Robert? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a degree of you're playing to Vince. And if you're in there alone with Vince and you know that he's in a mood where he wants to hear ridiculous, stupid shit, you're going to pitch ridiculous, stupid shit because you want to keep your job and you want to play to sure. the audience of one. You, you know, it's like I think back to some of these moments that live in infamy on TV, like when Vince used the N word on TV. That was a pitch probably from somebody who was like, Oh, you know, it'd be really funny if you did X and it made it on television. 
So you never know where the boundaries of good taste are. Yeah, and then you have the issue, too, of like, now Booker T is in that sketch, right? And so, well, is he okay with it? Is he not okay? You know what I mean? Like, there's so many other factors there. And I mean, it, it, and it sucks a lot, I think, for, you know, diverse people in a writer's room because it's like, if they say they're offended by something, you know, they get criticized or, you know, or often these, because a lot of times people don't want to change or they just want to pitch the same shit. So then they're like, well, why did we have these new voices in the room in the first place? And they punish that person instead of listening to them. And so it's, it's a very thorny thing. I I think back there was a, there was a TV show on Hulu called reboot. And they did a whole storyline about this. I don't know if either of you guys saw. It was a really good show. It was it was cut down in its prime, where it was a bunch of older comedy writers working with younger multi you know uh, multi racial multi ethnic uh, writers, and the friction that that was causing until it ultimately led to creative success. So it's definitely not a just in WWE sort of problem. Oh no, it's a, it's a, you know, it's an office thing. It's in, in, in through all types of jobs and marketing, all that kind of stuff. You know, the the world is changing. I, I mean, I think it's good that it's changing. I think that certain things should die out. And I mean, I feel like it's a tough thing because I do think like sometimes you know lines can easily get crossed, and if if that employee felt uncomfortable and are they wrong to feel that way? I don't think so necessarily, you know, and if they did address concerns and then they were mocked for it, then that, that is a problem, you know? So it's, it's one of those things I, 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 I would, I would personally like more information, but based on what I have seen on television as a wrestling fan is very easy to believe that, um, this person was rightfully made uncomfortable. Oh, I, I would not doubt it in the slightest. Um, yeah. It's a, it can be a very uncomfortable, unsettling uh, environment to be in. And especially if you have any degree of morals, you kind well, of have even to balance like, You know, you know, one of the interesting things, because this, this person, um, this plaintiff, they, uh, they, they started working there around the time that, I joined this podcast, you know, and I know you guys have been doing it for a while. And and I remember, you know, one of the things that's brought up in that case is the um, Apollo Crew stuff. And I remember watching that for the first time and being like, I, this feels weird to me. <laughs> and oh, yeah, so I could ridiculous. just imagine <laughs> from her perspective of like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, this 9-11 thing apparently that was yeah, man. Was Mansoor was going to be behind 9-11 was a pitch someone had. Yeah. Uh, it, look, yeah, pitches, you know what it is? I think it's, there is a difference, right? Like, you pitch a thing and it doesn't work, okay. But, but sometimes you could pitch a thing, it doesn't work, and then you blame another employee for why it didn't work. You know, the, the, there's other ways that this could get thorny really fast. So yeah, but also like you know, some you know, pitching 9-11 is like also kind of weird in the context of wrestling, like this. So it is like a little jarring. It's like pitching uh, you know, a a horrific situation where someone in the room is like, wait, whoa, what are you harassing me? Like it's just weird, you know. 
Also, what if they just pitch that to make Mansoor a baby face in Saudi Arabia? <laughs> oh my gosh. I feel personally attacked and offended that you made that joke, but but I think back to like there was a time where Vince went on like a he was talking about his character, his character like going on a tirade against religion, and he started going off about how much of a hypocrisy like Christianity was and and organized religion and all this other shit, and it's like if you were a devout religious person, of which Ted DiBiase was there, but he was busy figuring out ways to you know shuffle money elsewhere welcome to the ad free shows network ted dibiase um you know you could have felt like boy i don't feel comfortable being in this room while this man is saying these potentially blasphemous things yeah and you know it's also it's like they like said i mean it's this is this is i think a, a conversation that deserves a lot of, of nuance and i hope I'm, I'm i'm giving some but like you know it's also that thing like you know, you can be for free speech and all that and then still see a thing and be like, ah, I don't think we should do that. Oh, that's uncomfortable. You know, like, I mean, look, we make fun of Jim Ross on this show all the time, rightfully so. I still find the idea that they did Oklahoma to be uncomfortable. I think that's crazy that that happened. Yes, that was the, and that was really bad taste. I Look, part of me still thinks it's weird that they did the MJF with devil horns thing. Yeah, I agree with you. Which is, you know, and again, someone's like, well, you know, Max is doing it and he's Jewish. I'm like, even so, it still feels a little like, I don't I don't know about this. Like, this is not something that I would be like, yeah, this is something I'm going to turn around and say, this would be a great idea. Let's go ahead and do it. But it's, it's, it's also it's... tough because you're pitch. Sometimes you're pitching for heels who are supposed to be doing dastardly horrible things or saying dastardly horrible things. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's also, it's like, sure. Look, we got criticized me and you, Robert, for saying, take a shit. Oh yeah. And had to think about that and look like we don't do it anymore. It's, it's one of those things. And look, if I wanted to do it, I could do it and I could double down on it and say it a bunch. And then I just had, like, it was one of those things. I was like, is this a hill I want to die on? Is this a per... And then it was also, like, then I listened to Cornette, and Cornette was doing it, and I'm like, I don't want to fucking be that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Mike no. had to take a seat. Yes. Also, also, Mike loves his wife. So there's a lot of differences between him and Cornette. But, uh, yeah, this is a, it's a weird situation. Hey, lots, lots of people love my wife. I'm just not in the room while it happens. <laughs> god damn sorry I, i'm not doing the cornet voice uh but yeah so th that was sort of it's again it's been a weird week in wwe world and then thankfully tony khan twitched his way on into our hearts with uh this week's episode of aew dynamite so we'll do uh dynamite or dud um i will preface by saying i was at dynamite this week uh it was my first time attending an AEW event. Um, and unlike Punk, when they asked him to leave, he stayed. Yes. Uh, and, and unlike Punk, I was, I was welcomed with, uh, with slightly open arms and at least allowed into catering. Uh, so, you know, so there's that. The, the big takeaway I had, and, and thank you to everyone at AEW for the hospitality, generosity, everybody was very, very nice, very, very welcoming. The feeling backstage at an AEW TV taping versus the feeling backstage at a WWE event is complete night and day. 
Uh, I can totally understand why there are people who are passionate about working there. Uh, love every minute of it, especially guys who came over from WWE, like Moxley, who's like, I will never leave this company. Jericho is like, I fucking love this place. This place is incredible because you're backstage. And when you know what it feels like in WWE, and it is just a pressure cooker from the minute you walk in and you can't wait to leave versus here where everything is very relaxed. It feels convivial. People seem friendly to one another. There's not chaos and panic and screaming and people running around like lunatics. It really is a a pleasant backstage environment, which is which is nice to see. Uh, that is that is the the big takeaway that I I, I had from my my backstage experience uh, at AEW. Um, it was it's it was almost a- it's almost like there's important people uh in backstage in WWE that someone might get to and it might be bad, you know? Like yeah, AEW is just people, just you know? Yeah, it's just people. <laughs> it's just it's a bunch it's a bunch of people, but it's in but on the other hand, it's almost a little too relaxed, uh, in that it's it was a little unstructured. And I, I think there was at certain points some confusion about like Hey, what's what's going on tonight? Like, what are we doing? Ah, we'll figure it out. Like that would make me very nervous. Um, I just imagine Robert and catering. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I just imagine Robert and catering. Everyone's like chilling out, and Robert's like, "How are you guys gonna fill Wembley Stadium? Have you thought about it?" I I will neither <laughs> I, again. I will neither confirm nor deny that conversations about Wembley and the capacity of people who will be there. Uh, <laughs> And whether it'll be a like a like an AI chat graphic to cover a lot of those empty seats or not, but uh, there's this is going to be beautiful. I can't. I, this is it's going to be a big show, boys. Uh, and what I mean uh, by that is Paul White will be wrestling on it. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to bring back the no. It's actually going to be an it. awesome show. I think I think they're going to sell more tickets than you know most expect. And sure, some people will say it's not ninety thousand, but. But it's going to be, you know, numbers. I mean, look, they they have a number in mind, I'm sure, that they want to have in that stadium. And the 90,000 number is a, a, a comical number. I mean, you realize that you're going to tape off a quarter of the of the building for the stage. So you're chopping off a bunch of seats right there. You're going to block aside seats for the hard cam. You can structure the floor however you want it. So even if they get 65,000 people, that's a that's a massive home run. I don't know how much it costs to run Wembley Stadium. I'm sure it's not cheap, but this is in conjunction with Warner Brothers. And the fact that this is happening, I think Dan texted like a week before the pay-per-view, makes me think this will be some big launch for, you know, them being on Max or something like that. Like this is tied to something else. They they would not take this gamble on their own unless Tony is willing to blow all of his allowance for a week on this show. I hope so. I I whatever it is, I I am going to enjoy the shit out of that week. I cannot now, Robert, wait. Now, uh I I want to know uh, a few things. So, you were backstage, obviously, you know, what do you want to tell us? Please do what you can't understand. Um, did you meet QT? I will never wash my hand again because I had the privilege and honor 
of shaking the hand of one Mr. QT Marshall. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, wow. Now, in terms of in terms of presence, in terms of the, the the stars you've been around, you know, being in wrestling and forgetting that you were in hockey. Do you think where does he where does he rank up there? Like the rock is a pebble compared <laughs> to the majesty of of QT Marshall. Um he he is a god amongst men. Now when you uh, shook his hand, did the memories of everything you've said about him come rushing forth like some dog millionaire? I suddenly understood the meaning of the universe. Uh my you my know what heart happened? was oh, that, full. That... <laughs> It's like that Celine Dion song. <laughs> so coming back, oh, coming back to It was originally me. a Meatloaf song written by Jim Steinman. Um, yes. Yeah, Meatloaf yes, it was, was pissed, right? Malik was, yeah. Meatloaf was yeah, like, was. You please, for the love of God, yeah. Yeah, Celine got the last Beautiful. laugh on that one twice. Um, but Yeah, but she can't <laughs> laugh anymore because she's got that, you know, oh. disease. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, apologies yeah, to Celine that. Dion. Um, now, 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 um, Another question: Who else? Who else did you meet? Like, were you? Were you? But besides QT, obviously, were you starstruck by anyone? Um. In all honesty, no. Uh, just because. So the only person that that was not there that had he been there that I've never met and worked with, but had such a huge impact on my fandom was Jericho. Jericho left the WWE. I think like the week before I started on creative. So I never, I've never met uh, Chris and it would have been cool to at least have, have met him. Um, just about everybody else I had either worked with before or it's like, Oh look, there's Jay white. Neat. And how did it, how did it, these are just genuine questions. This is fascinating yeah. to me. How, how did it feel like, you know, working with Max from the beginning and then now you're backstage with him and he's world champion of the second most successful company in the world. Take that new Japan. So, all right. <laughs> um, Max is obviously an asshole. He's a terrible person. We all know this. It's not a character. He's an evil human being. However, hypothetically, theoretically in a parallel universe, like everything everywhere, all at once where we have hot dogs for fingers, uh, there was a a genuine, tender, wonderful moment of appreciation and celebration of everything that's occurred. May have possibly happened. Would have been a high spot if it did happen. Not saying it happened or not, because obviously Max has fully transformed into his character, and he's a prick, and he was going to have security throw me out. Um, but it was very cool to see Darby and Sammy as one of the main events when those were, you know, guys from MLW, it was cool to, to get to see Swerve who was part of, uh, he was on rampage. Um, there was uh, a woman that I used to work with in MLW who got to do a dark match. And it was nice to see her get that opportunity. There was a couple of backstage production people and uh, like Raphael Morphy, who I worked with in MLW and seen like what these guys have created and where they are. Um, people that I used to know in WWE who were in AEW. On, on the backstage production area and how genuinely just happy and, and thrilled they are to be there. Uh, some of the older guys I haven't seen in forever, like uh, Dean Malenko or, or Arn Anderson. Uh, and, and I did see Mr. Jim Ross. I did say uh, a, a hello to Jim Ross. Uh, and then he was sitting and catering by himself 
eating a, uh, a, a, a piece of birthday cake and he had this huge chunk of frosting just resting on his lip for about 15 minutes. And nobody wanted to like nobody knew how to like say something to him that like oh, you've amazing. got like a huge and uh, until unfortunately he snagged in uh, Wardlow for a conversation. Wardlow was nice enough to kind of be like, you got a little thing that dude, by the way, in person looks like a star. You see him. He was in a, a, a custom tailor suit like backstage. You, you look at that guy. You're like, that guy is a a somebody. He is someone who. You know, you see him in the airport, you're like, all right, that guy is a professional athlete. He's a celebrity. He's somebody of importance. And that's not something you can just manufacture. And I think that was that was really, really interesting. Uh, Adam Cole, not to pivot from one to another. Um, if Adam Cole is six feet tall, then I'm Sutton Singh. That is that is the other takeaway that I had from from this uh, this endeavor. Uh, Adam. Very nice guy, not the tallest gentleman in the world. I, I think I can I can confirm when they announce that he's six feet tall and I'm six feet tall. Uh, they're using they're they're using the same thing that they used to use when they'd say Bill Kazmaier lifted more weights than anybody else on the planet, or you know Dino Bravo or something like that. Um, changed my opinion on a couple guys that I had a chance, uh, like Keith Lee, super nice guy, uh, very personable. At no point was I going to make fun of his hair or beard until somebody else started provoking about making fun of his hair and beard. And he has a good sense of humor about making fun of the fact that he looks like uh, uh, he's like uh, an aging, aging man. Uh, also, Brian Cage, who I had not spoken to since a weird like MLW issue years ago. Really nice guy, really smart guy, understands the business um happy he re-signed with AEW. I think he's gonna he think he's gonna do really, really well there. Uh it, it it's feels interesting because you know, like I mean, I always bring up comedy just because it's the, the the world I work in, but like there's sometimes, you know, there's people that you know, I'm sure Scott can, can attest to this or even admit I'm talking about him, but like, you know, there's people that you <laughs> that have like the most amazing personalities, and for whatever reason when they're on stage it's just not there did you feel that a little bit with like brian cage and stuff like so cage isn't really i mean he's he's a really nice guy the, the personality he has wouldn't work for his size if that makes sense like he just looks like yeah. a, a hulking monster and the problem is it's like he would be bane otherwise where you're like all right it's this big jacked up dude who's who's eloquent and good at speaking um certain other people who don't necessarily project a lot of charisma on screen. When you see them in person, there is the same lack of uh, Dylan-esque charisma in certain anonymous people. Not that I'm naming anybody, uh, any, any boys in particular uh, from a jungle <laughs> that may or may not be the case. Uh, Did you see Jade? What was, what was she like in person? Jade, Jade is very impressive looking in person. Uh, I was, she was, they were doing like, still photography so she was in her gear and all that like you look at her and it's what i've said on the show and you see her on tv she just looks like a a another like genuine star um one of the highlights is uh, whatever uh tony khan walks by at one point to go walk into their version of gorilla and it's everything i would have hoped it would have been to see him as a person 
uh, it was so like twitchy and uncomfortable and surrounded by other people who made him look even smaller. Uh, he licked was... the rest of the frosting off of JR's face. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then he was going to name a title after it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think like overall. AEW was... dark chocolate. Oh, um, it was cool that for Ring of Honor, which they taped beforehand, the main event of Ring of Honor was Samoa Joe and Christopher Daniels. And for two guys who don't need to like go out there and work their asses off for a show that you can only get on a streaming platform, uh, they fucking killed it. And the crowd was super into it. And everybody was glued to the monitor and very respectful when they came back in afterwards. So that was really, really cool to see. Uh, those guys were those guys were awesome. And uh, to Keshta, having seen how big he is in person, I will never, ever make fun of his name ever. I never did. Never will. Cause he will fucking oh, kill yeah. me. Uh, so yeah, so it was, uh, it was awesome. Um, they're all super passionate about it. Some of them have the same uh, questions that, uh, that sometimes cross our show every once in a blue moon, but they're all kind of with the same idea of, we want to make this thing work. And uh, you know, we're, we're all here for it. Uh, that being said, they then put on a two hour television show that uh, probably left us feeling a little differently about uh, some potential futures. So I will, I will bookend this year. Thank you so much, AW. Lovely evening. Wonderful time. Now let's fucking rip this show to shreds. Uh, hour one, Orange Cassidy versus Bandito. Uh, Adam Cole standing on probably four or five apple crates, uh, threatening that he's going to go call out Chris Jericho and let me at him, let me at him. Uh, then uh, Darby oh, Allen. <laughs> <laughs> Darby Allen and Jungle Boy made amends because I guess they watched back that promo last week and they're like, oh, fuck. Uh, Jeff Jarrett beat Dax Harwood in a match that really happened. Uh, I was not hallucinating. This happened. Tony Khan announced the Owen Hart tournament will take place in uh, Canada. Uh, Wardlow <laughs> murdered some guy backstage who was very nice backstage. Uh, and then uh, Arn Anderson started cutting a promo waiting for Conrad to interrupt him. And instead it was uh, Christian and Luchasaurus who walked down just to stare at them and then walk away, which means they made Luchasaurus put that entire fucking outfit on for a second and a half. Uh, then Sammy and MJF gave each other vests and scarves and kissed. Uh, and then RJ city got beat up by the Blackpool combat club. That was hour one of dynamite. Mike, I don't even know if, did you see dynamite? I did. Yeah. What'd you think hour one? Um, I thought, you know, like, it, it's so weird, the amount of luchadors they have now. I, and I do think Bandito is the one that impresses me the most. But uh, it, it's so interesting that, like, Tony has, like, a few of these guys now, and they all job, you know? <laughs> um, And which doesn't help with the interchangeability a little bit. Um, I think, like, they should kind of just... They, right now they have like like five luchas on the well I guess Volkingo's not on the roster but he's been on t once you're on TV a couple times right like so it's like they have like these five guys that they use I think they need to pick two and push them um yes. and uh, which two would you pick <laughs> I would, I, honestly Phoenix. I would pick I would pick Bandito and Phoenix yeah yeah well yeah I mean if you can't pick Vikingo, yeah, you pick Bandito and Phoenix for sure. I think that I still think that there's more overall. If you have to, I mean, in I think there's more overall in Phoenix than there is in Vikingo, and 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 I think in terms of 
a longer match and a more consistent match is, I think Bandito is better than Vikingo. I feel like Vikingo yeah. is going to have the best first match you see, but I don't feel like he's still getting the same buzz he did after that Kenny match because so, now you've yeah. seen it. Bandito is a more complete wrestler in the sense that he's a he's very strong. He's small, so he's got that Rey Mysterio look to him, and he kind of knows how to tell a great story in the match as opposed to just he can do some really cool moves. And I think the mask well, is really fucking cool. Oh, the, the mask, mask is, is amazing. The I mean, to be be Bandito and to have that mask, that is your storyline. You're fucking Bandito. You're you know it, it it is so cool. It is so fun for like merchandise and for kids to get excited about especially when you have a guy named hangman on the roster who's super over uh who acts like a cowboy uh i think it's one of the reasons i actually really enjoyed the opening match because bandito is so defined even without having ever cut a real promo or anything uh in AEW, uh and to face someone like Ar orange cassidy who is so defined without ever really speaking to it was just so fun to watch these guys it's like it's the way Mike talks about it sometimes where like the Looney Tunes of it is great. Um, and the way that Orange Cassidy is so Bugs Bunny, Bandito, Bandito is also like a really fun wrestling character. It's fine, except so, you lose a match. match I love. Right, but you like he loses the match. And then like I get like, all right, they have them. But then like Orange Cassidy putting the sunglasses on him is it, it's that yeah, wouldn't happen. That, that, that felt weird. And, and then they were also backstage later, which is like, does that mean there is more to come? Yes. That, well, they, they announced that the for next week. Friends? Is that the idea? Like, No, the idea is Orange, uh, Bandito, Adam Cole, and and uh, the mystery person we'll talk about later. Oh, yeah, yeah, because of, okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll get course, to it, but it's like, it's just a sense. weird little yeah. thing. Um, yeah, uh, other, other things in this hour, um, I mean, yeah, Jarrett winning anything in this year, let alone against a guy I really uh, love and respect, like Dax, is baffling to me. Um, you that know. feels like a Dax decision. Every time it does. a match like this yes. happens, and it's Jeff Jarrett versus Dax, I go, you know what? Have your fucking, have your NWA, have whatever you think your idea of, of wrestling is, where I love it. I watched this match, and I really enjoyed it. And then they did that thing where I go, ah, Forget everything you complain about because they did that slingshot move into the into the corner turnbuckle, which is like the three stooges won't even do that. They go, no, that's ridiculous. That's dumb. And and but they do the slingshot into the corner in this match. And 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 anybody like Cornette has a right to to in, insult a, a Bucks match or or a Ray Phoenix match. But anyway, I, I, did I, enjoy I get the match. that. Yeah. And then um... I did enjoy the match. But at the end of the day, it's like. Why the fuck? Oh, so Jarrett can team with someone to fight FTR? That is not what we need. At Definitely all, did at not all. enjoy. I don't know. Didn't didn't enjoy the match, and it just like it, it just killed the crowd. It, Jarrett was working slow Memphis style. Nobody wants to see Jarrett win. If you wanted to tell this story, you could have done Jax and Jay Lethal or Dax and Jay Lethal and have a better match to get to the tag match. I mean, it was like Cole, you know, his his promo was hilarious to be just him being intimidating and especially like, you know, they they hurt his girlfriend and everything. And like that, you know, so it's like he has every reason to be mad, but you just don't buy it. It's, it's just it's so sad. Uh, and then and it's funny, too, because, you know, they often bring Adam Cole out to do the announcements with Tony Khan. 
And this is one time it actually would have made sense. But, you know, it's like him and Brett won this thing last year and they never mentioned it again. And I know that he got hurt, but like it's still when he came back, they could have mentioned it like they haven't done anything with it. So it's like they're bringing a thing back that has zero stakes and zero credibility. Like I I love Owen. I love I legit am happy for whatever money this raises for the foundation. And, And for that fact, I'm grateful they're doing it again. But in terms of what you could be doing to build someone, I mean, literally when Owen won King of the Ring and he became the King of Hearts, right? Or King Booker, like that that becomes someone's gimmick for a while. And it's a fun thing. And uh, they haven't done that with a lot of their tournaments. They don't really capitalize. You don't really remember who wins them for how many fucking tournaments. You're on a show that has a tournament in the same show. Yeah. That that gets completely... A tournament that completely gets negated, by the way. Yeah. But, you yeah, know, talking so, about not wanting Jarrett around, Jarrett in the Owen tournament is genuinely very meaningful. I know that you want to go, ah, fuck Jeff Jarrett, but that can be an emotional, really nice thing to happen in the tournament. I agree with but that. But, again, the yeah. tournament does need to mean way more than it did last year, um, and they got to go fucking big, whatever that might mean. Look, and the fact that it is in Calgary and all that, that's really cool. But, like, but you look at it last year, right? And last year, what it really ended up being was an hour on the pay-per-view that didn't need to happen. Because they had to have two matches for it in a ceremony that was completely meaningless the next day. It should have been so, its own night. One of the Battle of the Belts should be yeah. the only part. Finals. Yeah, why not? Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and if it's in, you know, I, and I know that I think it's going to be a part of it's on Forbidden Door and all of that, you know. So, I'm I'm sure there will be good matches out of it. But let's also oh, they should like, do they should do the final on that uh, the first Saturday, uh, uh, the new CM Punk show. What I would what I honestly would have thought they would have done is it's it's too far out to do it. Is you stretch out the final for Wembley and you have Harry Smith win it. Oh, well, that's awesome! Like oh, that's I love. Yeah, it's in the family. Yeah, and what well, what's interesting too is that like Owen, you know, Owen was a fantastic wrestler. He was also a great character. He all, you know, like the matches were great, but the antics were great. And 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 from everything we've ever heard about him, the human was great. And you know, there's so many fun stories about him. Like, I feel like who wins this thing should embody some of that as well. Anything I, else you I mean, honestly, I would say Adam Cole when he's a heel, but it just hasn't clicked like that in AEW. No. No. And then um, what else happened in this hour? Uh, the Wardlow uh, match and then Sammy oh, yeah, yeah, giving the, gifts. Oh, yeah. So the, the Wardlow match was, you know, yeah, it was fine. But um, but the arm speech, these crazy arm speeches, man where you got to thumb him in the eye. Like, you know, we, we, we were getting glocky yarn again, which is fun. Like, I was just I was just waiting for a moment in this promo for him to be like, Warlow, you're like a son to me. And then they just cut to Brock with a single tear staring <laughs> at the monitor. <laughs> um, I mean, it was, it was fun. And I, I like Arn, you know, Arn's fucking crazy old hillbilly now. It's kind of weird because he always felt like the most measured of the horsemen. And now he feels like the most January 6th of them, which is 
crazy in a group with Flair and Oli. Yes, but, but he also um, dresses like Jane Lynch from Glee. <laughs> and he looks like Coach Beast. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like this this overall was like a decent nothing. Here's the thing, nothing on this episode was as offensive or terrible or as bad as anything last week. Uh, so it was it was a breezy watch. Oh, the last thing was the yeah, Darby and Jungle Boy. Like the big issue here was where's Sting? Why does Darby need Jungle Boy to have his back? We've already seen Sting be a part of this program. He cut a promo on MJF. So why wouldn't he just be there to watch Darby's back? I think it's like, a, a, isn't it something about baseball, right? Don't guys that age uh, watch baseball this time of year? Then say that, you know, you know, Papa Sting <laughs> yeah. ain't here because he's watching a baseball game. Yeah, spring training. That, isn't that what it is? Don't old guys it's, like to it, watch teams do spring training in Florida? Maybe he's doing oh, that. Oh, yeah, they do. It, it's just a bigger issue with this company of, where they add so many people to stories and then they drop them, you know, like Keith Lee was a part of the Adam Cole thing for two weeks and now he's not. Right. It, it's, it's weird. It doesn't make a lot of, a lot of sense. Um, but I don't Keith know, the, the, Lee should have been a part of this. Um, and, you know, this help, this assist. As much as I do love Bandito and Orange Cassidy, you know? Yeah, I guess. Um, I don't know a, a couple of things. Yeah, the 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 Jarrett Dax thing, like the live, it killed the live crowd pretty well. Dead. Um, they were they were pretty bored. It was going for way too long. The Wardlow killing the jobber thing was odd, just because it felt like a heel move at one point. Like you're beating up a scrawny little nothing of a guy, and then you just kind of keep beating him up and keep beating him up before you pin him. It's one thing if you're like Goldberg would just tear through a guy in two or three moves. That's what you want. You don't want to watch your baby face toying with a nobody because then it kind of makes you look like a dick. And it's what they did with him when they were building him as a heel. Yes. And then Spears with him with the chair. Hour two, uh, Darby Allen took on Sammy Guevara while Max screamed at the top of his lungs on commentary the entire time talking about pickles. Uh, then we got one of the dumbest finishes in, in wrestling history where Max tosses the skateboard to Darby. Darby stands there and holds it as if it's glued to his hands. And then Sammy drops to the mat and the referee who didn't see it immediately disqualifies him. Uh, and then fear not because Tony Schiavone is now your authority figure to say, I just spoke to Tony Khan. And in between twitches, he said that uh, we're going to have a tag match involving uh, Darby and jungle boy against Sammy and MJF. And if they win, it's going to be a fatal four-way match, which means we're getting a fatal four-way match. Uh, after this, uh, Max and uh, Sammy walk to the back. They go to get in the car together, and Max uh, shoves uh, Sammy. Is like, I got this. Uh, I ran, because I was almost in the background of this shot. I'm like, nope, not not letting that happen. They were like, guys, everyone runs. We all had to scramble. We didn't know which direction they were coming from. Um, Adam Cole comes out to the ring to cut a a very angry promo. Uh, because, you know, his mom won't let him have dessert or something. Uh, and then Jericho appears on the screen in what was pre-taped a week ago, because Jericho wasn't there uh, at the arena, to uh, say, I'm not going to fight you, but the JASR, they beat up Adam Cole, they beat up Orange Cassidy, they beat up Bandito. But then, oh, thank God, Roderick Strong is here, uh, everyone's third or fourth favorite member of the Undisputed Era. 
to uh, a, a fairly lackluster return, which, by the way, if it's a surprise attack return, why does he have an entrance video? Uh, we get a QTV segment where where uh, Hobbs points out how fucking stupid his booking is, and they promise they're going to fix it. Uh, Taya Valkyrie and Jade Cargill have a match where at no point did either one break the other's neck, so it was a success. Uh, Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter cut a promo that felt like it was like a cut scene in a video game where they're like, you know, you put me in the hospital. I'm going to put you in the morgue. Cool. Uh, Then Kenny Omega and Takeshita (laughs) took on the butcher and the blade in the main event because Tony wants to kill the crowd in Sunrise, Florida once and for all by main eventing with butcher and the blade. And then if I can make any sense of this whatsoever, Brian Danielson's on commentary. (laughs) <laughs> Kenny and Takeshita beat the butcher and the blade, and then Brian runs down how much he hates Kenny and how Takeshita should join them. Uh, fumbles his words, buries Brandon Cutler and Nakazawa as being terrible. Asks Takeshita to join when the Blackpool Combat Club surround him. Uh, then Wheeler Yuta hits Takeshita uh, between the legs, and they maul him with a screwdriver to end the show. Uh, there were about seven storylines and a minute and a half. Uh, Scott, what do you think of hour two of Dynamite? Okay, look, Darby versus Sammy was a a very good match. Now, I, I have you seen this match in MLW, Robert, or have you seen this match live yeah, before? Yeah. I, yeah, we we did this in MLW. I've seen this awesome. live. Um, this was great, right? The match itself was—I mean, they had some great spots, at least. There right? were great spots, but it, a like a, crowd, but it felt like a crowd, etc. But it felt like a mid-card spot because it was the nine o'clock hour. You have Max on commentary talking about pickles. It was super sure, overbooked. Sure. Like this should have felt like a real main event, and then they just had that goofy as fuck finish when you saw these guys legit like killing each other with the table spots and some of those dives. Yeah, and it is again. Uh, um, it's just a lot. It's when you look at how far away a pay per view is, and you go, "How do we do this?" And so you add like three twists that didn't need to happen, but you got to fill up time. This could have been planned better. You know, we had mentioned that it was more than likely going to end up being a four a four way at at the show, which I'm fine with. Yeah. Um. I, but I don't know. This isn't the way to go. I will say this. You know, I, I liked the car part at the end. I actually liked MJF not letting Sammy into the car. That was about the only thing I did like in term of in terms of like the acting aspect of, you know, the storyline aspect of this and not the wrestling part. I liked that. And, you know, Sammy turning on MJF next week is a cool pop, I guess. But at the end of the day, he's still going to get booed at double or nothing because he's Sammy. He's always going to get booed. Yeah, but why would Sammy no matter, turn on no MJF? No matter how you want to spin him. Sammy doesn't want a four-way. He has a well, better shot of the, winning one-on-one. But that's the thing is it's like, is he, listen, I don't watch this bullshit show that is on after, but I really feel like part of it is Sammy being like, no, I can go crazy. I can go hard. You don't push me. It's They're teasing a lot of things, and again – adding way too much when, especially in a four-way, you'd be surprised that less is more. Um, After that, what the F happened? We got, uh, oh, the Adam Cole thing, right? Yeah, Yeah, man, honestly, I'm happy that Roderick Strong is back because uh, Kyle O'Reilly will be back 
too, right? He's just hurt and recovering. And then at least you have a trios and that can be fun, you know, considering that Bobby Fish is uh somewhere. I don't know where though. Where's the lie? Where. Yeah, where's the lie? And uh and that main event, man, it's like, look, I don't want to see Butcher and Blade in an opening match, let alone a main event, um, especially against uh my man Omega. But obviously there were some high spots in the match that I like, you know, some really good wrestling moments. But yeah, that ending was like super comical, really. I mean, aside from Danielson screwing up what he was saying, uh to have Danielson like go stop it from happening to Takeshita and him just doing it. I mean, I kind of get where it's like, no, I'm pure of heart, so I wouldn't want anybody to stab someone in the face with a uh, with a screwdriver. But it was just, again, it's a little complicated, and you just don't know where it's going at all. Mike? But I like them as wrestlers. Well, there's that. I, I, I thought that this was... Uh... It was all right. I mean, it, uh, well, first off, how were the pickles? Did you try the pickles? Pickles are solid. Nice. Um, I mean, yeah, it was weird, like having MJF in this match and then Daniels. I think you should only do one guest commentator a show at the most. Um, and I did love Tony Giovanni being like this, like, the amount that he was furious about all of this helped when he was the one who made the announcement. And I really do love, I I think it's one of the longest continuity things they've had on the show is how much Shivani just hates MJF. And whenever they play into that, I I really enjoy it. I I, I think those two have like great chemistry together. And, and I, I, yeah, like I said, I love the, uh, the consistency of it. Um, yeah, I don't know why this wasn't the main event. I mean, especially if you had last week be the main event. And even even if it ended with, you know, the screwy finish, but then you end on the yeah, announcement. Screwy finish, because he is a screwdriver. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, but even if you ended, you know, even if you ended, like, with that fuck finish, if you end on the announcement that the four-way is next week, that's a fun way to end the show. You know, just in terms of your heels who think they got away with something, now they're in trouble again. That's, you know, that's better than what we got, I thought. Um, and yeah, the Butcher yeah, Blade, I... it's it's like when you when you train an audience to know what a thing is, like these are jobbers, they will job every time. Like, Well, they said this was their of... first time teaming on Dynamite this year. Yeah. So yeah. they were literally just cannon fodder. And then you bring Kip Sabian and Penelope out with him, which doesn't really help things. Because they said that other thing of him just like throwing people together and hoping something sticks. Um, I mean, the Jade beating someone with a roll up is just weird to me. She should always like feel dominant. Like, I, you know, it's a thing they've been doing really great with Ripley, which I, I wish they did more of with heels sometimes where the heel doesn't need to cheat. The heel is just better sometimes. That's fine. They don't always have to cheat. Um, especially a big muscly heel. Um and then uh you know it just this was overall like I said last week I it like broke me emotionally and mentally. Yes I hated that show. 
And this one, I was like, oh, okay. You know, it's like my my kid's up for two hours, and I I didn't interact with him before he goes to bed. You know, we're we're, we're giving him strict naps now, and he has wake windows. And when he's awake, he's awake. And I had this on while he was awake, and it passed the time. So you know, it it fulfilled its purpose. But as a company, I'm emotionally invested in. Not really. You know, I I think that we'll have a decent, you know, double or nothing. There will be good matches. There will be, you know, an Anarchy in the Arena type thing. I think the four-way will be fine. This Jericho Cole stuff, none of it's hitting for me. Um, I mean, neither, both guys are physically non-threatening in completely different ways. I mean, I really, you know, I'm really excited because now we're in the NBA playoffs. And, man, we may get what Twitter thinks about Adam Cole and Jericho together. <laughs> I would really look forward to that. I'm, I'm I, I have excited. a question. Um, so double or nothing, is that when you bring back Punk, or do you wait for that that June show that is in Chicago uh, on you know Saturday? It's got to be the Saturday June show, because every time yeah, Punk kicks one. off a show, that show winds up becoming a, a fantastic program. <laughs> Look at Rampage. It's been <laughs> nonstop after that. And and the problem is the, the you close on this elite Blackpool Combat Club feud when it's a placeholder for the more important uh, elite versus FTR and Punk feud. So we know this is just a placeholder. Million percent to the point where the fact that, that it's Danielson saying these things, um, I kind of wish Elite was feuding with another group because I, I I rather the feud be something not so much like Punk would say. Yeah. You know, you're amateurs, and the only guys you you helped are uh, Brandon Cutler and Nakazawa, and they fucking suck. Yeah. And you guys are all jokes. Yeah, that's entirely uh, CM Punk shtick. It's I mean, what is, like... um, unless the idea, listen, unless the idea is, and, and we don't realize that forbid, oh, they're not doing that. I was going to say, you know, like the idea being Danielson wants that New Japan side of Omega and then Abushi, because Abushi's showing up uh, at some point in the summer too, I think. So I don't know. He just like posted new theme music that he has. So he wants people to know what it sounds like. So when he debuts, uh, no one's scratching their head like uh, Jay White. Jay White, who was on Rampage, uh, him and Juice Robinson against Ricky Robert, Starks. whoa, spoilers. Whoa. No, 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 they announced it on Dynamite. It was, oh, okay. it was Jay White ahead, and, uh, and Juice Robinson versus Ricky Starks and uh, Sean Spears. Robert was there to see the steam slowly leave uh, Excalibur's ears. <laughs> It took me way too long to, by the way, to realize who Excalibur was. He doesn't have the mask on the whole time. I thought for sure he would be one of those people that would wear his mask all the time, and he wasn't. I'm like, who's that dude walking around with an AEW coat on? Like, he looks like a fucking idiot. And then I realized, I'm like, oh, he is a fucking idiot. Guys, invite Robert to your event. He will tell you who the fucking idiots are. Uh, it's 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 good times. Uh, it, it's happy times. No, but I, I mean, look, uh, they they advanced storylines. I will give them that, and they got QT on television. 
So how could you be mad at a at a easily the best episode of Dynamite they've ever done from Sunrise? <laughs> it's funny, like Sunrise is like I I lived in I, for me walking distance because I walked everywhere. I didn't have a car, but I, I was like a thirty minute walk from that that venue, and uh, it's it's interesting because it is like you know there are a lot of hillbillies in in the Davy part, but then there's you know. Your Jews in Boca, you, it has everything there, and it, it's it's such a fascinating area. And and what's interesting is I know a lot of people were saying that this crowd sucked, and it's like it's like when it's your hometown, also you get a little defensive. I'm like, I think maybe the show does a little bit because they people have been saying like you know the Milwaukee crowd was bad and this crowd was bad. Like, what could be different from fucking Sunrise? What could be more different than Sunrise and fucking Milwaukee? Like. The last few weeks, the crowd hasn't been as good because the show isn't as good. I mean, the crowd popped for Orange Cassidy and Bandito. They did the shtick when he like when they did the finger guns and put it in his pants. They they, they reacted to that. They didn't have a lot of stuff to react to. Like, was the he main event on was... any of this, even Rampage or any? I don't remember if they were on Rampage. I saw them, but I didn't see them on Rampage. I wasn't really paying attention by the time Rampage was on, I'll be honest. Because they were one of those acts. I mean, when when me, Scott, and Robert went to Damn. Grand Slam, you, Scott, people, yeah. yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, me, yeah, me, uh, me, Dan, and Scott, yeah, like they were so into them, and it's like if you put them, like I feel like they're one of the acts people pay to see live. There, there was definitely. I mean, there were signs for them. People were all about it. And they didn't give it to them, which is which was strange to not put them on on dynamite. And this is a crowd in in Sunrise where, you know, it's it's a bit of a fair weather crowd. It's also a crowd that for years was spoiled because whenever WWE would come to uh, Sunrise, they treated it like it was Miami. So it was always The Rock. Like The yeah. Rock would make a surprise appearance. The Rock would do something. Um and they didn't bust out a Sting or a Chris Jericho. Uh, and when you got Danielson, it was for a few seconds at the end of the show. So this is the kind of audience that probably would have appreciated some of those big names instead of like what was advertised. And what was kind of advertised was a somewhat lackluster show that was passable at best. Um, and it's funny, you know, it's like, you know, we at least I've gone a little sour on Jericho, but it's also you still want to be a part of the Judas entrance. The yes. entrance is still over, even if he's not as much. That's the, that's the thing. It's like they, they, de they kind of deprive the crowd of some of those little moments. Like even when Kenny came out, he came out to his Kenny Omega theme, as opposed to like, they've been doing the elite music uh, or the, the carry on my way where it's, it was just weird little decisions that they made. Um, but you know, it was, it was fine. Um, I don't know where Scott, Drop, oh, Scott's Wi-Fi dropped. Uh, he's trying to uh, to get back on it. Uh, Mike, you gave your low spot, which was Jerry Springer pass. You want to give your high spot? Yeah, my high spot would be, um, I think, you know, just um, the fact that they were so afraid of Punk with the tampering and everything. It feels like he is coming back, and I'm, I'm excited to, to have him back. And AEW, you know, pettiness be damned. 
Um, yeah, personality wise, you know, not the best, but the guy puts on my favorite on screen wrestling of, of just about anybody, man. I love his promos. I like his matches a lot. Um, and his character work makes me want to watch his matches. So I'm really excited to have him back. Um, the fact that he was at Raw of all places shows that he's still, you know, into wrestling and that we're hopefully gonna, you know, see more of him. Because I want to. Yes, my uh, my my low spot of the uh, of the week uh, was probably the announcement uh, for uh, Naomi or, or Trinity Fatu, whatever she's going to be going at uh, wrestling as um, going to Impact, which is a bummer because I was really hoping that she was going to be coming back to WWE. Um, I think that she's great uh i was hoping that they were going to patch up whatever this issue was that uh that she had uh and uh instead she's going to be an impact for who knows how long and uh that that kind of sucked i was hoping that maybe she was going to be one of the surprises for the draft i think she'd be a good shot in the arm for either brand i think she'd be a fun opponent for rhea ripley uh and we're not getting that uh and uh my high spot, yeah, no, selfishly was was going to to dynamite and getting to catch up with uh, a lot of people that I haven't seen in a while in uh, in uh, in the wrestling world and uh, being around that kind of creative energy again. So I think that was uh, that was pretty great. And this uh, was your first wrestling event since the the post pandemic, huh? This is my first wrestling event since I left MLW. I have not wow. I have not been to a wrestling show in in years, so. It was, uh, it's a lot of fun. There's a, there's a, I was talking to one of the wrestlers and I was like, they're like, it's so boring backstage if you're, if you're a fan, because there's not, there's literally nothing exciting going on. But if you like been in that, there's just something about being back in that environment on a professional level. Uh, that's, uh, that's a blast. So I, I definitely enjoyed that. And Scott, before your Wi-Fi cuts out again, what's your high spot, low spot? Brother, my high spot is Speedball Mike Bailey is in the Best of the Super Juniors tournament in New Japan, boys. Oh, nice. Let's do this. New Japan, sign him. He's awesome. I, I mean, if it wasn't for the weird legal issues he ran into, I think he would have been a big, big star. Yeah, man. There's also that Akira kid who I think, I feel like he's a part of United Empire. He's awesome. He's in it. So that's my high spot. My low spot, I mean, come on. What happened? What was a bad thing that happened this week? I don't know. You know, Sasha Banks lost that starter title, which, yeah, I mean, God, you know, I don't, I I guess, you know, New Japan, I think, like, extended her contract or Bushi Road, whatever it is. I don't know what they're technically, the company is called, but I think she signed longer with them, but not with stardom. So they took the title off of her. But I don't even know if that's true, but that would be my low spot. What else bad happened in wrestling? Uh, the law, the WWE lawsuit, the WWE two title, everything we talked about, pretty much. Uh, WWE side, yeah, of all of that is terrible. Yeah, yes. that's all terrible. Uh, and uh, and losing Jerry Springer, who was uh, a great, he was he did guest he guest hosted Raw. Uh, he's a guy I probably figured would have wound up in the Hall of Fame at some point if he was still alive. Amen. And he had both uh, the Iron Sheik on, and uh, Justin Roberts was on it once as a uh, as a as a plant. And no and with way. how many clans, how many clans people he had, there's a good chance one of them was Dick Murdoch. 
Oh, that's 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 a high spot. That warms everybody's hearts. Dick Murdoch uh, warms your heart next to the burning cross on your lawn. Uh, all right, we'll do plugs, then get on out of here. Uh, Scott, what do you want to plug? Um, the Jerry Springer Memorial that I'll be having um, this Sunday. Well, no, he never aired on Sundays. Um, this upcoming Monday at 11 a.m. Uh, our time. Uh, also, Out for Smokes, uh, my other podcast. And, yeah, that's really it. And and this podcast and the Patreon, which me and Robert aren't sure what it is this weekend, but it's going to be, be a great. banger. Yeah, it's it's going to be it's going to be a hell of an episode this week. No clue what it's going to be. You know, uh, whatever it is, it'll be it'll be fun. And Dan will be like annoyed that we didn't do the assignment properly. Uh, Mike, what do you what do you want to plug? Um, Dan being annoyed. Um, <laughs> coming live to you soon. Now, um, I, uh, you know, I wrote on a show called Bupkis that'll air on Peacock on Thursday. And um, I should Hopefully, uh, if there isn't a strike, but it, it, there is a good chance there might be one, um, I will uh, be contributing to next week's uh, SNL episode as well. I will be in New York working on that. That's a fucking lifelong dream Love to be it. in those offices. And um, hopefully it happens. Oh, uh, the the 6th? Yeah. No, I'll be in New York. Nice. Oh shit, that'd be awesome. Oh um, baby, party ooh, time. The, well, no, the the real party for those wrestle roasters in the tri-state area who need to get down there is going to be uh, Thursday, June first, at the Brooklyn Comedy Club. Uh, Dan Saint Germain is doing two shows, and Scott and I will both be there uh, to to support him. So if you are a forbidden dork and you can get to New York June first, uh, plane, train, automobile, whatever it is, come on, come on over and. Uh, Come watch Dan do non-Meltzer jokes. How hilarious would it be if Robert opened for him and then Scott, you didn't? Like, you're just... In the- <laughs> I would love that, honestly. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll wrap this up. So, on behalf of Dan, Mike, Scott, Zach, Logan, and all of us here at Russell Rose, best of luck in your future endeavors. And Scott's and Zach's not here and Dan's not here. What do you want to say? Wash your goddamn hands. Wash your hands. Thanks, everyone.